This is the Go Maluku Podcast. Today is the 12th anniversary of the adoption of the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And if you can see, if you look, look around us, this is the actual General Assembly um, Hall in Geneva. And where used to be like the GA of the UN, but now it's moved to New York, of course. Um, we, at least I think it's a very significant place to talk about the decoration because it was adopted today uh, by the GA, General Assembly. Um, what were the numbers again? 100, 144 in favor, 4 against, and 11 abstentions. And, um, but the significance of that is that the four that were that voted against, they changed their position into uh, in favor of the the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Um, by well, it's not by coincidence. Could, we are here in Geneva uh, for the Human Rights Council for the work that we do um, on resolution. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I think it I think it's much more interesting to talk about the decoration, what it does for us, what we think about it, and maybe uh, if we can go like into like what do we see in the future, what are new frontiers, what, what are the things that we, yeah, that, that we want to talk about. Um, and then, yeah, people can, all, of course, like ask questions online um, or say something uh, or share their thoughts or whatever. Um, I see, oh, I have to do a shout out to Holland, all right? Shout out to John, Sean. <laughs> this is fun. And there's some people watching us, uh, even all the way from the Pacific, Tuvalu, Kenya. Um, people from Taiwan are also watching. So um, yeah, if, any, if you have any questions, just ask them. We have a little bit of time. Um, but I think, yeah, we'll do a little bit of a spiel, a little bit of a chat, and then if you have any questions, then, um, yeah, we'll just go to your questions. Yeah, I guess the, yeah, it's, we were wondering that, uh, as it is the anniversary of the Declaration 12, we wanted to put up a little bit Facebook Live for questions and comments and also share some of our thoughts. So. So as the declaration was adopted in 2007, I think that uh, uh, even though slowly, uh, we in business groups globally, together with the member states, have been able to step by step uh, move towards implementing the actual declaration. Even though it's happening quite slowly, but um, we see that, I, th I think that, uh, that, that there has been a movement forward and the declaration has been instrumental on, on raising indigenous people's human rights to agenda and, and in, a, in a manner that it's easy to identify uh, to everybody, uh, for indigenous peoples themselves, for member states also, that they cannot anymore uh, deny the, the, the specific uh, uh, narratives of, of indigenous people's human rights. And, and specific needs there, so so it's globally accepted uh, standard and and so forth. And we see also that the declaration has been more and more taken into uh, the, the interpretations of international law, and that is of course development 
forward. Uh, for example, the Human Rights Commission uh, has, has been uh, using the declaration in their own verdicts and decisions uh, as, as, as a guiding principles on, on, on what kind of decisions they are making and how to interpret it. Uh, for example, ICCPR and, 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 and other, other conventions that have been uh, ratified and made in, 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 made in UN and ratified by member states. I think that we're not going to talk that much about uh, about the the twenty years of negotiations oh, of, the, of the declaration. I think that people have been talking that really much, but but if we can kind of consider it, what we have, mm. what, what what has happened like two thousand and seven and afterwards, to kind of kind of kind of think. And uh, yeah, I mean, and saying that 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 we have been uh, achieving some steps forward. And one of the concrete examples of that is the World Conference Outcome Document. And when the World Conference on Indigenous Peoples was held in 2014, uh, all the member states agreed to implement it on a national level. You know, there's been a huge debate from 2007 that is, is the declaration legally binding or not. And, and to my, uh, as, as, as I see it, there is a little point on talking that because this is a commitment from the member states to be to be used, and 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 in 2014 it was confirmed, and I would say in in, in my own language ratified uh, that 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 uh, it, the declaration has a has an impact on national level. The member states are have committed themselves to implement it by national action plans and by other means and measures, taking into account legal. Legislation, legislation, policy decisions on, on implementing the declaration. So, so even though we talked that, uh, and many people are saying that the declaration is implemented really slowly and it's not bringing the effect to the ground, uh, it's only 12 years old now, and an actual commitment from 2014 is now 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 five years old. So I think that. Uh, we are slowly moving towards fully implementing the declaration also on the national levels, not just on UN level and, and, and international level. Mm -hmm. And I think that is achievement that we have to, we have to continue work uh, upon in the future, but also appreciate that, that the declaration is slowly moving to, to, to the ground. Mm. What do you think, Pilota? <coughs> Yeah, from my point of view, well, um, as Thomas mentioned, we have significant achievement about the UN, about getting the UN trip in, as an international instrument. And if I see from my point of view, this is international level achievement. But now the challenge is how you bring those international instruments applications on the ground. And and, and if we also see other elements here, the movement of the indigenous peoples, most of the most of the Asian countries, and I think this is also applicable to Latin America, Africa, and other regions, is the political movement and their right to self-determination. So now we have these provisions in the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And also these articles 
also we see the two international covenants like uh, civil and political rights covenant and also the economic social and cultural rights and that's also in a way it's a universally adopted provisions mm -hmm. so now the question is among ourselves whether we are also committed to take this article as a forward for for our political achievement on the ground uh, the the question is whether we are actually doing or working on that the to gain or to achieve our self determination rights in my observation there are, say since the adoption of the un drip and until now we are very much focused uh, particularly the moment case except few countries or few regions among one or two regions mostly focus on the project based activities that we are deciding ourselves like through the project activities the improvement of the human rights development or improvement or human rights situation this and that but the the political point the right to self determination how we actually framing through this context to achieve for a, for for a, for a, um uh sustainable achievement for our case for example if i give you right self governance your self governance also related to with the concept of the land territories and resources and now land territories and resources that the rights you will have you will exercise that needs the right to self determination recognized by the state so now the point is whether we are actually talking about that we are mm -hmm. actually focusing on that like it's also coming with autonomy it is nothing about you are uh, asking something different or separate is from the sovereign state but this is more within the sovereign state your autonomy mm -hmm. you are framing under this un drip framework yeah. actually we are not taking this kind of discussion forward um, that's my observation not very much so this is the most important part if we want to achieve the un drip we want to achieve to the human rights as a framework mm -hmm. for the indigenous people's rights we need to think about how actually our political rights we can get under this even for example right to self determination and the second point is then we i feel that even for the achievement of the un trip the first thing is coming with the land territorial issue mm -hmm. and the right to self determination over the land territory yeah. so this is the most important part then how we can politically motivate yeah of course 12 years is not long mm -hmm. it's a will say like it's a phoenix now but thing is whether we also the activists doing uh, working in different parts of the world whether we are thinking of about that how we should frame our political rights movement getting the self determination rights mm -hmm. thinking about the self governance systems thinking about the land and territorial resources mm -hmm. as an indigenous people that's our identity yeah land is the main source so this uh, that's what i think like we still have far way to go mm. even though we we have achieved a lot at the international level under the uh, after the un drip mm. we have uh, this uh, expert mechanism mm. even though it was replaced the working group of indigenous peoples and then we have now uh, also uh, a higher level of discussions uh, on the indigenous peoples participation mm -hmm. on the issues affect them and also if you see the un drip always 
frame as a guidance framework for many international bodies, for example, even FCCC, creating this local communities platform, and also in the CBD, yeah. talking about the, uh, mm -hmm. referring the UN trip and also other UN agencies. So that's all our achievement. Now, yeah. if we want to bring all this together, so my, my understanding is we have to think also from the political rights view. Mm, how the political rights yes. are actually consolidated mm. with all this achievement mm. yeah. and how this is also grounded mm -hmm. on the mm. local level. So that's my opinion. Just, just yeah, to, oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, would, I, would, I would fully agree with that. And, uh, and that's why, for example, uh, we need strong indigenous UN mechanisms to, to, to mm. keep pushing uh, the, the important topics to be discussed. And, and, and pushed forward on international level. Like, I'm really happy with the expert mechanism and its new mandate. Mm -hmm. You know, their, their decisions on putting FPIC as a first report, mm -hmm. uh, um, topic of the reports, and, and now next year the self-determination will be uh, coming up as, as a topic. So, mm -hmm. so I really much appreciate that the, the hardcore elements are, are brought up and, and, and focused on mm -hmm. international level because I fully agree that, that the right to self-determination is, of course, uh, one of those aspects that, that might be uh, really much difficult for mm -hmm. member states to, to understand and accept the concepts. Like, uh, we, we, we also have to work with the political... Uh, willingness of, of mm. member states exactly. and understanding what does mm. it mean. Mm. We, we really much hear many times in the UN frame, it's mm. UN setting, that, that the indigenous uh, right to self-determination mm. is, is uh, contradicting the, the member states' right to sovereignty. But of course that's not the case, mm -hmm. but I, I think that the understanding yeah. and mm -hmm. interpretation of member states are really uh, not yet there uh, where, where our mindset is. So, so I really think that that gap needs to be narrowed down in order to push forward. And then again, coming from a, from a, from a region and a, and a country where, uh, and a people where self-determination rights uh, have been established to a certain extent, uh, somehow we have coming from the Sami mm -hmm. land we have the Sami parliaments even though uh, um, Sami parliaments are more maybe a participatory right instrument that not that doesn't have the mm -hmm. uh, maybe the governance in power and full right of self-determination and, and and just to give an example how, how for example the declaration has been used in the case of Finland for example we have the Sami parliament Mm. And there is the national uh, Finnish parliament decided the the action, the law, the the, the um, legislation on the Sami parliament. And in that in that specific legislation, there are some some elements of self determination developed. Mm. But there are, for example, criteria of who can be involved with the political engagement of. Of, of the indigenous people, and, and currently those are decided by member states, not by indigenous people. Mm -hmm. And that is again one example on 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 on, on that there needs to be even more work done on mm -hmm. building a strong understanding what is the self-determination. But us as a Sami is how we have been using that declaration under the self-determination mm -hmm. aspect. Is is one example, and um, for example in this specific. Uh, case in Finland on, on the electoral role 
issue of the summit parliament, we have been using the declaration, the Article 3, 8, and 33, that are establishing the right to self-determination, self-identification, mm. self-criteria uh, mm. uh, establishment for, for identifying your, your members and your people. And, and, and from 2011, we have been using mm. this. And actually, I would say that the declaration has been crucial mm. uh, for our, our mm. fight, because without the declaration, mm. there would not be those specifically three articles has, that has been uh, setting guidance on how to deal with the indigenous self-determination. Mm -hmm. and, and now in 2019, in February, the Human Rights Commission made a decision against Finland, heavily relying to the declaration, Articles 3, 8, and 33, on right and self-determination. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you think about what kind of achievements the declaration has been providing, it's been uh, helpful for our case, because it has uh, guided the Human Rights Commission that is interpreting the ICCPR mm -hmm. to take into account the indigenous side of the self-determination yeah. that is part of the political rights. Yeah. No, that's, that's the exact point of what I ended to say when it comes to the self-determination rights, like to elaborate it, the right to determine what you, you really want to do as indigenous peoples, like you have it. So if I see the context from our region, Asia region, so there's the challenge, like the interpretation of the self-determination rights. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it, it, it comes with a political willingness, mm -hmm. uh, uh, most of the cases. Mm -hmm. So this is, uh, this is nothing about like the separatist movement or extremism and yeah. that. It is more about as an indigenous persons or indigenous peoples, the community, how you decide your own political status. Mm -hmm. Self-determination, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the point. This is uh, nothing about actually contradictory. So that's why, of course, even we always uh, now refer as a framework in every country. And you see the key elements here. I mentioned the Article 3 of the UN it is not. It is nothing new. It's just copy-pasted copy from the international, other international human rights instruments. Yeah. So if you see also most of those um, uh, international conventions ratified by the member states. Mm -hmm. So it is uh, actually officially legally binding thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nothing new. So this is, this is the point what I wanted to mean about the self-determination, even though it is connected to all your governance, your uh, territorial rights, identity, culture, tradition, whatever. Well, it, it starts yeah. with self-determination. Yes. You, know, you, you cannot talk about mm. land rights before you talk about self-determination. Mm. Yeah, this is, the, this is think, what I'm saying. That yeah. You self-determination is the foundation. Here. It's the backbone. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. So here the point is now the political motivation, whether it is actually working now mm -hmm. or not, whether we, we are very much related to another direction on this issue, mm -hmm. uh, like the the um, discussion on the issue of recognizing self-determination rights, mm -hmm. whatever it is, or we are just approaching, like these days I see like mostly like so many indigenous NGOs are grown, like project-based activities, particularly in the third world countries, yeah. whether it is just a project-initiated things, how it's actually 
Kanai Gudi or self-determination rights, even though it comes to project initiatives. Mm -hmm. So this is the point. It is nothing about the against anything. This is all about the, your political rights, determining your rights. Yeah. So, yeah. Even in the FPIC, let, my observation, think about your community itself. Free prior informed consent. This is the this is the this terminologies we are just now talking about, right? It is exists since before even the when the civilization started. Look at the, your community, observe it. Mm -hmm. My observations growing to the community. This decision making process. This is all about the APIC thing in the community. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. It's even well, a community they usually they, they just don't put this is in the the way it is narrated now in the article. Mm -hmm. But the practice itself, even before writing the FPIC things, it's there, indigenous peoples practice it. Mm -hmm. Since before, so that's why I'm saying this is the, it's the, it's the same history that started the civilization, it is there, mm -hmm. the yeah. indigenous peoples. So this is the thing, this is, this is also the political elements, how you can apply it, how can you use mm -hmm. it, this is the self-determination again, your decision-making process. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you, then. Um, a little bit of context. I remember in, the, in we both, you both were there as well. Um, after World Conference, we had an evaluation meeting in Chiang Mai, Thailand. I think it was October, November, November, November 2014. Yeah. And um, I remember Alyssa May. She 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 skyped in, and she shared like the the first question, the main question. Um, that a lot of people asked uh, over the website was, I didn't like what is the UN Declaration. Like they didn't know that there was a Declaration of Rights of these Peoples. Um, the two of you, myself included, and everybody that we've been in con been working with at the UN level, are very fluent in the UN Declaration. Um, how would you then? Explain to a six-year-old what the UN Declaration is, and and because we all know that like there are, there are approximately 370 million Indian peoples mm. walking around across the planet. Um, ideally, everyone should be um, f um, like like intimate with the, with their rights. Mm. Um, I think, I think what I'm trying to say is that, that that's been on my mind the whole time, actually, that we can talk about everything, but you, you, tell, you, you said it yourself, like, we need strong indigenous mechanisms. Yes, but we also need strong indigenous peoples mm. that are very fluent in, mm. in, in, in the rights of indigenous peoples. Um, and I think in that case, that there's also, just my one man's opinion, that there's also responsibility for us, not just for the states, it's a responsibility for us to um, educate on you know, the building capacities of Indian peoples and non-Indian peoples mm. uh, on, on, on our rights. Um, and I think, like what you said before, is that I think that's what I think Professor James and I have said it as well that uh, the rights of Indian peoples are not new rights. Like the rights that we should have had all along, exactly. mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's a misconception out there, mm -hmm. that especially from states, that when you when you talk about the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples, when you talk about rights of Indigenous Peoples, it's something new, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's no. actually not. Mm -hmm. And my 
another thought of my of mine is is that, and I think it goes back to when ILO Convention One Six Nine came up to a vote in Finland, and it got like voted down mm -hmm. like with, with an overwhelming, um, well not support but like against it, mm -hmm. and I saw on social media. A lot of Samis, I had, I had a lot of empathy with, with the Samis because they were with, with, on the Finnish side about like, they, you really want to have mm -hmm. Island 169 mm -hmm. um, uh, ratified uh, through, the, through the Finnish uh, government. Um, but what they said, well, the, the Finnish government is not respecting our rights to self-determination. Mm -hmm. That's what, what most people said. Mm -hmm. And then a light bulb, not a light bulb, but like in my mind, I was like, well, that's the thing. You don't ask for your right to self-determination. You, mm. you, you claim it mm. in some ways. Like mm. you don't necessarily need, of course, it would be helpful to have 169 mm. in your uh, ratified. But I think what, you, what, what the both of you are also trying to go towards is that like self-determination is the backbone. So you need to build that first, mm. make that strong and claim that right to self-determination mm -hmm. as, as it's um, like you said you know it's 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 the bone the bone structure uh, for land territories resources education healthcare, even sports you know things like that and, um, I don't know what I was going to ask but like it's yeah but um, but I mean I would agree that this extent that of course you would have to have your own institution that would be able to build those rights. I mean, you, this little point trying to give education uh, or implement the educational rights if you don't have uh, uh, your own uh, own uh, peoples, your own individuals that are, that, that, that are willing and capable of doing it in your own way. Mm -hmm. you, you know, building your own education systems and exercising in those and, and so that they in practice would happen. Of course, you would have to have a certain kind of collective uh, movement that uh, people concerned would have a, have a certain kind of view or thinking that how we are supposed to do this. But of course, the right to self-determination is, is one of the most tricky and hard, uh, hard ones for the member states also. So in order to solely work for, for for self-determination rights and building your own institutions mm -hmm. uh, might take some time and uh, and, and Im imagine you know, different different situations in the world. I mean, uh, I, I can fully understand that uh, 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 IPs are pushing for rights in every aspect of, of, of the rights. Yeah. It's of course important, but, but mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, the right to self-determination is is of course crucial, but uh, but I think one of the ways how to achieve that in the end is is building an understanding and knowledge uh, within the member states. It's true that uh, we need in in indigenous peoples, we need individuals that are willing to 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 work on the matter, use your their time to get uh, familiar with the with the declaration, so that they are. Uh, 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 having the possibilities to promote the declaration for state officials and everybody that are concerned, your own people also. But, but, but uh, uh, adding information and knowledge, understanding within, within the member states, state officials and, 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 and politicians, 
allows you to 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 get uh, little by little mm. forward. I mean, one example. I have been now talking about the national action plan on implementing the declaration uh, on a national level in Finland for five years. Uh, honestly, I think that there are a lot of people still among my own people, but uh, especially on the government side also that are not really fully understanding the in-depth length of the, of the declaration. Uh, I'm happy that uh, New Zealand is the first country in the world that is now, now uh, to my eyes, really trying to, to, to make the national action plan mm -hmm. on implementing the declaration. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that someday Finland will show uh, political willingness to do that also, but uh, uh, at least for the last four years, uh, uh, I've I've seen that Finland, even though it's supposed to be one of those countries where human rights are are highly uh, taken into consideration, uh, is is still really slow on on actually doing the stuff on the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the huge debate on on, on on the electoral roll, and it's one of examples that uh, self-determination rights are not uh, respected and implemented in Finland. But but also in a wider aspect. We still lack the political willingness and understanding from the member state side to, to start those processes. And, but I hope that, that that the example from New Zealand, when it and and if it goes well, will trigger more more political willingness and understanding. But one thing is also that not just the state officials that don't know about these matters. We also really much have to have to have the dialogues with those individuals that are in the governmental structure responsible for human rights mm -hmm. and implementing those. Because I've, in my experience, see, I have seen, for example, in Finland that, that those uh, responsible state officials are, are lacking understanding on implementing the declaration, making the national action plans, mm. even though they are responsibility for human rights, mm. even though they have a general good understanding mm. on how to implement human rights on a national level. You, you are right, but what I want to also add with you, uh, I think the UN trip, after the adoption, Bolivia was the first country who actually incorporated with the national constitution. UN and also a few Latin American countries took as a guiding framework recognizing indigenous people's rights. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, what literal, that's what research documents say to some extent. Mm -hmm. However, I I agree with all the points what you said. You might be agree with all this uh, what is happening at this moment in terms of the promotional activities of the UN trip. But what I will say, the most important things to recognize the indigenous people's rights or self-determination of whatever it is, and also to take away all this misconception, the most important part is the having effective dialogue between the government and indigenous peoples. This is very important to create the space that the um, the space of the dialogue and having the dialogue and also to overcome the challenges dialogue is the most important thing mm -hmm. and also at the same time when it comes to the, the, the misinterpretation like for example the, all the government officials they are not coming from the human rights background or 
they are not coming from the legal background and most of them also don't don't understand or they are not clear about this indigenous people's rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it comes in a dialogue in a good faith, this also good way of processing indigenous, understanding indigenous people's political issue, their political rights, their uh, needs. So their needs is the UN RIF, is the one that needs to implementation. Yeah. So this is mm-hmm. the thing like, until unless you don't have the space of a dialogue, mm. participatory, and also effective, mm. and meaningful mm. dialogue, then you will not achieve it. And that's where the government also, I think, I I feel government should consider this one, not excluding the indigenous peoples, but to see how they can include more in the political processes, policy development processes for their rights. Yeah. Mm. This is also because if you see the political situation, the vulnerability, there's the indigenous peoples, almost all the countries, whether this is developed countries or developing countries or non-developed countries, somehow indigenous peoples are the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. marginalized in political space or political rights. Yeah. So that's the important part to create the dialogue to understand their situation. Mm. You know, they are, uh, the way they see their, they, the way they see their rights, their culture, their identity, their land, territory, traditional mm-hmm. knowledge, whatever yeah. it is. So, I would say that um, yes, this action plan, the integration of the constitution, this and those are very good elements. But where it is still impossible <laughs> to see or to encourage the member states, how really can create a space for for a dialogue or discussions between the government and indigenous peoples to achieve their political rights for and the UN treaty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the most important thing and today this will be my also opinion that we should think of to engage more the government, to have a very uh, constructive discussion with the government and indigenous peoples and also at the same time realizing indigenous peoples' political attention by the policy makers at yeah. the national level. International level, we have enough already. I yeah. mean, of course, we need a strong mechanism still there. Okay. We need it in the UN level. Yeah. We need one strong mechanism until now, even though now it's uh, more than 12 years achieving this UN drift. We still don't have actually uh, indigenous peoples um, participations in the decision-making level of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's also affect to the policy implementations in many member states' countries. Mm. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the United Nations is also considered as a, as a guardian of many governments <laughs> <laughs> in terms of their uh, uh, this, uh, this, uh, some, deci- some decisions. Mm-hmm. Right? So this also matters. Uh, mm. Giving the opportunity to indigenous peoples in the pol- in the decision making level of the united nations for example in order to see in order to analyze or at, uh, analyze the achievement or assessment of the un trip or, or or taking forward all these processes in a coordinated manner to all the un mechanisms relating to indigenous peoples un secretary general can appoint one deputy secretary general 
Yeah. They put a second example for the indigenous peoples. Yeah. That's how the, you can also, I mean, see the, you know, decentralizing. Mm. Yeah, and that way you can also have, you know, the, in many aspects you can do that. So, this is the international level, I think, important, engaging in the many, in various avenues. At the national level is the most important part is dialogue. I mean, this uh, uh, participation, this dialogue, I mean, uh, space. Having a dialogue between indigenous peoples and communities is important. Understanding the political issue of indigenous peoples. Yeah. Well, um, on on a on a point of the secretary general appointing someone. Um, well, we asked at the World Conference, of course, the a high level official to at least to be leading the the system wide action plan. And what we got was the head of DESA, right? To uh, to be the, the no. I think it should be from the indigenous. Community. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, no matter where it's what, coming. What we, wanted, what we wanted was the high-level official that would be uh, promoting the rights of Indigenous peoples mm. or Indigenous peoples in UN policies. But we, what we got was the head of DESA. Um, so I think in, the, in that sense, like it's, I think that that's one of the um, um, outcomes of the, the World Congress that I was not shocked about, but that... I was not happy with mm. that. That's not at least mm. that's not what we what what, what we wanted. Mm. But yeah, but like the international level, of course, is 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 a whole another game. You have a different for us, different issues going, and I and um, you know the the enhanced participation discussion in the UN most likely is the most hardest one. Uh, at this moment. At this moment. Well, but <laughs> I would say that it will be more difficult than actually the World Conference process was. Yes. In the constitution yes. process. Yeah. This, is, this is going to be, and is already, more harder. So we need, a, we need really a collective effort from indigenous peoples also. And, and, and I hope that, that, that in the near future we see even more indigenous peoples coming from all seven regions taking part for this work. Because, because uh, I really see that they are, we are lacking even whole regions uh, from from this process. Mm-hmm. And and but uh, but I've been positively thinking that that there are more and more engaging people mm. for the for for this process that is one of mm. the most hardest one hardcore processes mm-hmm. in the UN for our rights to be developed. But going back to the national level, I mean, we were talking about the same. I mean. Uh, uh, in order to build understanding mm. and, 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 and political will mm. within the member states to implement it, you need to have a dialogue, of mm. course. But one thing that I think is crucial and, 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 and what I have come, uh, well, what I have faced uh, in, 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 in my work is that there might be different interpretations of the declaration. Mm. Now, what will you do if the interpretations are locked so that there's no move, that there's no room for for a movement through the dialogue, and there, for example, the the EMRIB and its new mechanism is crucial, as it has the opportunity to interpret the declaration articles. What does it mean? And it can even transform that interpretation. That what does it mean in this national context? Mm-hmm. National legislation, legislation systems. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why I think that the MRIP is 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 a really important mechanism, and, and I think that the indigenous peoples uh, are are willing to use that even more in the near future, and 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 might be even putting a lot of focus more for for MRIP. As, as it has the opportunity to firstly build up and facilitate the dialogue. Because most of the, most of the member states where indigenous peoples are living, mm. there is really no or really weak uh, accessibility for dialogue. So MRIP can build up that, that bridge that there is room for a dialogue, there is space for that. And then it can be helping for interpreting the declaration. Mm-hmm. What are the interpretation of the declaration? So that is, I think that yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, building the political will uh, through dialogue needs needs some safeguards also in order to get yeah. the correct mm-hmm. uh, understandings in, within the member states and mm-hmm. officials, state officials. Yeah, this. Uh, yeah, you are right. Amri, uh, of course, here in the. If, if you see the indigenous people's similar mechanisms in the UN system, MRIP is the one like directly taking the UN as a key area of their mm-hmm. work. So this, uh, I agree with your points. And um, again, the interpretation of the UN also, of course, uh, contextualizing at the local level in terms of the language wise to understand, mm-hmm. giving the message to the community, like what is UN mm-hmm. that's also important. Mm-hmm. Our indigenous peoples also needs to understand what is there. Exactly. In the Asia region, uh, Asia indigenous peoples pack, they really tran- they actually translated into local language to different national languages uh, in order to you know give the sense what is there, mm-hmm. and also create also had this uh, training manual about the UN trip, what is there, how you really can uh, understand going through point by point on the event trip issue. Mm-hmm. So there, I think this kind of promotional activities are already there. I mean, I have to try, but as you said, uh, mm-hmm. one thing at the national level, the more about this uh, creating the space or, uh, or trying to get the space to, for the dialogue, mm-hmm. and this is the most important thing. And I also feel that uh, this is uh, the area we actually in the future can work on that. Mm-hmm. Of course, we, I, don't, I don't know when we'll get uh, Deputy Secretary General mm-hmm. who will coordinate all the work of indigenous peoples at the UN level. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm optimistic. I have a question for you. Yes. Um, Tomo sends a question in. So right. I would... He would like to hear your thoughts on the direction of the global indigenous movement. Um, what, mom- what moment are you in right now? And where do you want it to go in the next 12 years? Hmm. So let's just start with the... It's a good question, I mean. Yeah. I think that there is a, there's different kind of aspects happening now. Uh, I think that the generation is, is changing. Uh, there is the those ones that have been working uh, for indigenous rights on an international level are are sadly getting old, retiring, and so. So there are a lot of new uh, new generation coming up. So there is the movement of 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 change 
mm-hmm. on, on how the advocacy work and who are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be some gaps still on, on, on building those capacities for the new generation to understand what has happened and then how to, how to work currently, how they have the old generation work currently and how to work in the future. So, so that is something that I guess will be put focused more for the next 12, 12 years, I would say. But um, that's a good question. I think the movement will, will focus on, on, on two things, the, the national levels, how, you, how to use the international level to, 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 to push for the declaration to be implemented mm-hmm. on a national level. And then another one is how to, how to build the participation and self-determination rights on international level, more, more in practice. But let's say, if, for example, in five years we will get the enhanced participation. What mm-hmm. will that mean? That, mean that, that means that we will have to have representatives that are capable of doing everyday diplomacy in UN, participate every day in meetings relevant for indigenous peoples, representing their peoples. So it, 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 it is a huge... Are we ready to do that? Yeah, that, that is something As that... As a movement? That is something that the capacities, capacities needs to be built up. Mm. Okay. But then again, Let's let's look at it from the history point. Mm-hmm. Were the were the first or the second, first first, first and the second generation ready to start advocating mm-hmm. in this rights in the True. UN? Yeah. No, they were they they, they started from one one place and moved and mm-hmm. built up the movement from there. Yeah. So I think that that that, that, that would be the same. Also happening if the indigenous representation in the UN will be developed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, State of the movement. I actually thought some points, but I forgot what. <laughs> no. But anyway, <laughs> very, very, very briefly. Um, yeah, I. No, not briefly. Just like say what you want. I agree with your point, Thomas. What you just mentioned. But from my point of view, I, I just want to add with you mm-hmm. that if you analyze the historical facts that indigenous peoples involved with the UN processes, that is all about the process related to the political movement on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the political movement is basically the movement on the rights of self-determination. Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. we keep intact our land, territories, and resources? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, basically that's the key point, right? So then over the years that the build, the moment building had happened and they had a negotiation all this and now this level. So now the for the for the next liner. The important part is that when you say the capacity, when you say the knowledge, experience and the skill they are involved, how our also to see the leadership emerging mm. mm-hmm. regional wise. Mm. So that's why what is important for me in the future in order to build a greater um, uh, political rights movement among the indigenous peoples in terms of uh, achievement of the UN dream is to see the area of distributive leadership building. Distributive leadership means it is not 
from my point of view this is not for only one country or one region try to try to build indigenous people's leadership mm-hmm. whether this is political or whatever every country every subcontinent and the continents so that they can contribute in their political means mm-hmm. of their political rights mm-hmm. whatever rights involved on the indigenous people issues yeah. until or unless we don't build a distributive leadership or until or unless our elders don't realize it to mm-hmm. build uh, leadership mm-hmm. in the country level the local level connecting to the international process to local local process mm-hmm. to international it will be very difficult to achieve our um, rights movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the moment if i want to see in the future it is basically involving how much the capacity we are building or our elders are building for the next liner mm-hmm. yeah this distributive leadership mm-hmm. so this is the most important thing so that's my point mm-hmm. yeah so that's what i will see like if you build the leadership next 5 years or next 12 years and i i still believe that you will still you will achieve something there mm-hmm. the most important thing is this the leadership building the leadership capacity yeah yeah you given the example now you mm-hmm. see the even among even now in the global level mm-hmm. our leadership so those who were involved since the 60s 70s process mm-hmm. so they are the one still guiding us in many ways right some of them some, and then that there yeah. yeah some cases mm. so the the thing is what is important now the more engagement in the capacity building process of the leadership and more strategic thinking for the distributive leadership mm. yeah yeah so this is the most important part and if we can build this one the leadership capacity i think at least some of the elements of the un tree will mm-hmm. achieve by 2025 mm-hmm. i i mean uh, the 2030 mm-hmm. at least some i'm not saying that all of the un tree what the provisions will achieve but at least some of these we may achieve it yeah mm-hmm. right those who are uh, really needs i mean mm-hmm. basic needs mm-hmm. yeah Okay. so that's how that's how i project i'm the opt- i'm optimistic in, in that area mm-hmm. but most important thing again how actually we, we you or we or our elders are projecting for the future leadership distributive leadership mm-hmm. yeah it, I, it will depend on that yeah that's, i mean i would agree that definitely there needs to be planned processes mm-hmm. how we work within within implementing the human rights of mm. course that it, it is crucial but i think that there is tools building up and now the next 12 years also it's about implementing those tools using those tools mm. uh, if we if we like compare from uh, from the beginning of 2000 there wasn't that much tools mm. what to use you had to build up the tools on international level mm. building the declaration building the been building the world conference of contacts so there are practical tools mm. what indigenous peoples can use in their national contexts like the national action plans and those mm. so you can you can use those and, I, and there there i fully agree with you then in order to use those and put in places those tools on a national level you need to have 
uh, distributed leadership and, and, and capacities uh, about the declaration and about the strategies mm. and about the thinking behind of these tools, mm. how to use those tools. So that is, that is of course, one of the, one of the uh, crucial elements that we need to also focus ourselves. Because there's no automatic uh, uh, happening or, or, or actions that are, are working towards that. Mm. We, have to, we have to build and, 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 and strengthen and work with that specific aspect ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is, it, the leadership comes from the, from, the, from the grassroots, from the, from the communities, bringing those issues, pushing mm-hmm. those issues, understanding those issues, mm-hmm. and, and then interpreting also the declaration and mm-hmm. building them to, to uh, proposals forward. Yeah. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, for, for, for me, um, in terms of the movement, I find it, well, first of all, I find it very hard to predict things because you, you, you don't, uh, the only thing that I can do is like, like look uh, like a little bit ahead, but not like further ahead. And if I'm looking at the movement right now, it, it's almost, it's either traditional knowledge that, that, that is keeping us occupied, climate change and sustainable development goals. I think that I think if you look at the meetings, the the, the themes of the meetings that that, that we're participating in, um, mm. it's mostly either either one of the, the these three. Um, right now, I this is, again this is my intuition that we're all everything is focused on it, sustainable development goals. And well, I do have to say like I'm not very intimate with the SDGs. I was involved in some way in, in, in the negotiation leading up to it, but not right now in the, in the implementation phase. Um, but I do get the sense that like everything goes into SDGs right now. And I always have that fear that if you go, if you look to the left, you don't know what's going on on the right. You know, so, and, and so I'm very skeptic about like, all right, we're all focusing on SDGs right now. Um, what is what are they trying to sneak past us on our right? Is it traditional knowledge? Is well, not climate change, but is it traditional knowledge? And I get the feeling, and this is a, this is like my, my gut feeling, is that like it's not it's not that they're very interested in our knowledge, but like what can mon- what can be monetized is genetic resources. Mm. If it's land-based or marine genetic resources, and I think that is, that is one of the frontiers that I'm feeling that that we should be very careful about, and that's also what, where the UN Declaration comes in, that, that we need to make sure that those safeguards are in place. So every time when traditional knowledge comes into play, mm. when they, they, they start talking about traditional knowledge, and again, I don't like the word traditional knowledge, um, that we need to like. The very second they say that, we say, "All right, Declaration of Rights and People safeguard, like, like, like build that, mm. build build that fence around it. Otherwise, you you get just a, to give you an example in the the negotiations on 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 oceans, the BBNJ treaty, biodiversity and beyond, biodiversity beyond national jurisdiction. Mm. Um, so right now, what they're trying to one of the elements is what they're looking at is to have. Um, the involvement of uh, the WTO, mm. 
and they're lo also looking into indigenous knowledge as means of safeguarding biodiversity within within the high seas. And also, I don't like that link, our knowledge and the WT WTO. Mm. So that's why we need to make it a point that that like if you talk about knowledge of indigenous peoples, and I, I I like that term much better than traditional knowledge. Um, sidestep, I think, like, do you know, do you actually know where traditional knowledge came from? Because I get the feeling that it's, it, it, is a, it is a term that was imposed on us, that like... Well, I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a Western way to describe knowledge that has been used by, by, by individuals and peoples due to the time. Yeah. Like but it's, it's not relevant, knowledge right? and tradition. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. If we call it indigenous knowledge or, or traditional knowledge, the the function is in the end the same. So I don't think that. Uh, uh, yeah, we can of course put focus on that. Yeah, but but I but I you know I fully agree with you that 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 it seems to be so that a lot of indigenous peoples are putting focus on SDGs and 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 and, and climate work. And, and that, and that's of course important. But but coming coming back, but but Pinota was also saying that that strengthening our rights to self determination sure. yeah. is, is is maybe on the right side. If 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 a lot of the indigenous peoples are looking on the left side, right. So that's my fear as well. Yes. That if you look because at the SDGs the whole time, and then and then and you water down in, to a certain extent the right to self determination to the to the point that you can't even recognize it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, so basically, I don't, I don't, I know that it's not right, but if I look ahead, it's mostly in fear, like, like not, if, yeah, and like what might happen if we don't watch out. And I think that's also very important that you, what you said, that uh, we need to duplicate ourselves. You know, because like, right now, if you look at the movement, it's a vacuum. You know, the 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 the, the experts on the rights are like mostly in, in, in the movement, and I think that we have a responsibility to you know, educate, build the capacities of others through whatever means you, you want to, but like, it, it's, not, it's not, it's immoral um, to want to be the person, the one person that knows everything, um, because you're representing a people, and you need to build the capacities of your peoples, right? Mm -hmm. So, I think in that, in that sense, I think that we're lacking a little bit still as a movement, ensuring that, making sure that everybody knows what we're, do, knows what we're doing. Yes, exactly. Transparency. Um, information sharing, Information sharing, yes. Coordination, yes. I mean, I fully agree. I mean, one good example is that here, where we are talking about Human rights resolution, where is self-determination rights, where is the enhanced participation. We are five indigenous representatives here trying to negotiate and push forward our aspirations. There's not that much. And, no. and, and even five, five of us coming from three regions, maybe, basically. So we're lagging even four regions. Majority of the regions are not here yeah. currently, today during these yeah. weeks. So this is one of the examples that really, 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 really need to, to try to secure ways and means for indigenous peoples to participate. Because 
I fully understand it's not easy to come here without funding and, 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 and opportunities to accreditate yourself and, and everything. And, and, you know, enhanced participation is an important topic. There are a lot of, lot of indigenous representatives that are following closely the process, are actively engaging, but might not have the opportunities always to participate. Mm-hmm. But, but the reality is that if you want to get something done or something at least pushed in, in, in a United Nations framework, you need to be in those meetings where the resolution, where the decisions are, are negotiated. Because coming, speaking from outside of the room, it's really hard to affect what is happening in the room. So you have to be and you have to engage and put yourself in those rooms where the movement could happen. Yeah, yeah that's true. But I am coming to the point the SDG. My from my point of view and my analysis, this is government agenda to divert the moment you have the grassroots level by different groups who mm-hmm. hold their political yeah. rights. So now you have I'm how many s- I'm goals? I'm going to steal that yeah. from you. <laughs> 17 yeah. goals. Mm. So when said the diverting or hindering the grassroots movement, this is this includes to the indigenous people's human rights movement too. Mm-hmm. So if you see the now 17 goals or this and that with 169 indicators, that is basically coming with huge amounts of these goals and indicators in order to keep people, the organizations busy, sourcing out the funding, stay with your project, with your activities, then you don't have the time to think your political moment issue, your human rights issue. Mm-hmm. Even though those are government may say or some NGOs or organizations may say this is part of the human rights, but the key idea of the movement, the human rights movement or indigenous people's rights movement, political rights movement, are somehow it's diverted, weakened in somehow, because then you are coming with the, your NGOs have to then have to survive or you have to take the money, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to compromise. Yeah. Then you cannot talk about the sensitivity issue, the political rights issue. So that's how actually the government of the UN system took the strategy to disestablish or dismantle the grassroots people's movement, including indigenous people's movement. That's my analysis. Mm-hmm. If you see, yeah. If you now, for example, now you see the, all the NGOs, all the indigenous people. I, I mean, if you see the indigenous people organizations, NGOs, all those, all are talking about the SDGs. They are very busy with the project proposal, submission, this and that. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? You yeah. see, they are talking about it's a huge issue, and then, then where it is like the, the, the coming from the community, their needs, their aspiration, like the political rights, their right to self determination, their local needs. Yeah, it's not the one actually focusing on this SDC. This all about the NGOs for their project. Yeah, if you see whether developer or developing countries, mm. and that's how also. Like once, so that's how the strategy, then you are diverting the, your thinking, your ideology, your idea to other side instead of your, this political rights or, politi- or human rights issue. Mm. The, the, the core moments that you need to do. Yeah. The, the social mobilization, community mobilization, that's somehow you're diverting, hindering with this kind of projects. Yeah. And also the so-called saying that achievement, achievement, achievement. What do we accept from the Millennium Development Goals? Look at the indigenous people's situation. Yes. 
Practically, indigenous mm. people say chip nothing. Yeah, mm -hmm. Exactly. And now they are talking the SDG. Mm. And one of the core issues now saying peace, justice, uh, peace, justice, and strong institutions. Mm. This is uh, this is just uh, like um, one kind of hindering your idea um, ideas of having the strong institution as indigenous peoples. For example, practically indigenous peoples own strong institutions by themselves. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, they have the strongest, very accountable, transparent decision-making process. Indigenous peoples are the only community who are peace lover, who has uh, this justice system. Mm -hmm. The traditional justice systems acknowledged by every single person of the community. It's not it. Yeah. If you see the justice system, mm -hmm. if you see the, the institution system, we have indigenous peoples, even though it's some countries, I mean, most of the cases, this is informal, but they have the strong institutions that they do. The traditional system of the political institutions, all decision-making process. See, so now the SDG, how, the, how will they do? They will write in the paper service and the lip service, and this is all good, this and that, then your issues are diverted to other issues. Yeah. Mm. Your key, the conceptual thought of the political rights, mm. then it's diverted. Yeah. It will be no longer there. Because you are talking the goals, indicators, achievement. Mm. Yeah. And the, your achievements have determination rights, the terminology itself disappears. Yes. Yes. So that's how the strategy. Yeah. If I see. Mm -hmm. So our leadership also have to think about, I don't know, of course, they are much more experienced, knowledgeable. I will say that our current generation also need to think about that. Yeah, because you talk about leadership, yeah. which yeah. includes you, Thomas and myself as well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, of course there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every single person who are actively engaged in the process yes, exactly. at the local, national, international level, mm. uh, I think they have to think I, about yeah, it. Yeah, I do mm. think that we need to look critically at like how are we engaging and what are we engaging, mm. and if it still contributes to the political movements that that we that we have, mm. and why we are actually participating at the United Nations level. Mm. Um, and like in terms of the SDGs, like again, I don't know, I don't have a lot of knowledge about that, uh, but I do get the feeling that like the only the only um, um, uh, peoples or groups that are, um, um, how should I say it, um, benefiting from it, actually, are, are those that are doing the projects, you know, and mm. it's not like the the movement at large, the Indigenous peoples at large. Um, so at least that's, that's what I'm feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for someone to step up and say, tell me otherwise. Mm -hmm. But right now, all the evidence that, that I see is in my favor. I, well, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it, it contributes to, to right. my, my You feelings. see the example, Indigenous peoples organizations in the developing countries itself fighting for the project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the conflicting events among our indigenous peoples now in the organizational base, mm -hmm. fighting for the project, and this is because of all these kind of things, and you know, government, government is happy, okay, they are dividing themselves, so let it be, so that's good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true, but, but what comes to SDGs, and, and uh, I also have to say that I haven't followed that 
thorough oh, robust I, process. I, I also don't think about because, the, <laughs> because because our priority, the, the Islamic Parliament has decided their priority list, and the SDGs is not one of those currently. Mm. So so that's one of the reasons why I haven't followed that much. But I, I, I do see the point to a certain extent why indigenous peoples are heavily engaging that process with. But the engagement might come with few specific regions, though. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, if we talk about poverty, how do you how do you take poverty away from the, from the world? The SDGs are and 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 the, and the and sending goals are are uh, targets. How to build policies? How to achieve uh, these these set goals? Mm -hmm. In order to set achieve those goals, you have to build policy. Uh, and, and 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 indigenous people affecting those. Policy decisions would allow, uh, you know, opportunities for indigenous peoples to, to for example, take and, and prevent poverty and, and because indigenous peoples are the most market, marginalized peoples in all of yeah. the world, so 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 it is uh, somehow a tool try to affect for the policy decisions mm -hmm. that will guide all of the member states how to take away. Poverty, how to build peace, uh, stronger institutions. Hi guys. And so, Hi. So, 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 yeah, that's, that, that is, that, that is that. But, but, but what I do agree that it, it puts us in one specific field and, 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 and put us to try to achieve something. Yeah. But yeah. the rights of indigenous peoples are, are full rights. So, so therefore, for example, working from a right, rights-based uh, approach is, is really much in, in, in need and, and needed because it doesn't touch about one specific narrative of one topic. Mm -hmm. There are whole, there are big, you know, issues. Yeah. So, so, so that's why working um, all over the UN is, is of course, important. Yeah. But the human rights and building the rights to self-determination, they will allow us to implement some of some of the issues back home. Mm. If we have our own institutions, our own societies, no, it again depends. The I mean, your government position. Or yeah, of course, of course, but political the, willingness. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, because but you have to build those, like we were talking yeah, before here. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that we should. Um, like zoom out and be critical and for example see the SDGs as a tool and not as a goal and then just go all in but like as a tool to um, safeguard the right to self-determination you know, making sure that that, mm. that is safeguard that mm. is still strong that is not watered down mm. um, I think, think that's how we should look at all, all the tools that are out there, all the processes mm. that are out there. Mm. Yes, they affect us, so we should engage, um, but not on the expense of the right to self-determination mm. and, and making sure that UN Declaration is reflected mm. as a safeguard. Mm. Um, yes, but let's yeah. see, do we have some questions we have promised for the <laughs> yeah, well, five that people was, that was, there to give questions? No, there is. Oh, yeah. By the way, there, um, there's a question. If you can do a shout out for the so today, there's the 50-year anniversary of the Dutch Center for Indigenous Peoples. They're holding it right now in uh -huh. in Holland. So, like, if you like, 
congratulate the Dutch Center for Indigenous Peoples, um, so we could do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was looking at his phone. Um, um, in terms of that, yeah, there's a video that's shared on how the UNDRIP has been instrumental with concrete mm -hmm. examples from from Drumbeat Media. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you look at the state of the movement and you look at the decoration, um, one thing that always I keep in the back of my mind and also I always have with me is something that a lot of these peoples are not using. And I'm not talking about the UN decoration. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the altar document. Oh, so like your thoughts about implementation of the altar document. Well, the Alta document is, is, is the globally agreed position, so, so uh, I, I'm not seeing in that sense how you are phrasing the question, because uh, I think it's, it's in our, at least in our policy work, in our targeting work, and our advocacy work, it's, mm -hmm. it's the basic grounds that we have to check that this is in line. With, with the outcome document, because we have agreed to that. So there is a basic kind of... Uh, I think that a lot of people don't know that, actually, that yeah. we should... Um, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think that a lot of people need to know that it is a consensus document of, any, of the global movement, mm. um, and that we need to see that as a checklist, as in whatever we do, make mm. sure that is in line mm. with the Alta outcome document. Mm. Um, I have, well, we had, well, I had experiences of like people trying to come up with new targets, new principles and everything else. And I just said, well, look at the altar document. Mm. Well, you, you can use that as, as a model, you know, you, you can use language from that. Mm. Um, and if I see that in one process, then who, God knows how many people do that in different processes and you get conflicting views and conflicting positions, mm. actually. And so I think as next to the decoration, we should be using the, doc, the altar document as well. So I think, sorry for phrasing it weirdly, but I think that is what, what I'm trying to say. Like, like what do you, how do you see the altar document? Are there people using the document? Mm -hmm. And how could people use the, the, the document? I mean, I, uh, yeah, I agree with that, that there, there is a lot of um, need to strengthening the cap capacities of indigenous peoples, uh, the, the, let's say the movement that, that what we have already targeted and agreed upon. I mean, mm -hmm. for example, the, the interactive hearings uh, regarding the enhanced participation showed that, that, that the global position of, of indigenous peoples were, was not maybe well known among all. But, uh, but of course, there was always the need and, and, and right uh, for, for, for freely, uh, you know, building your own ideas, targets, and, mm -hmm. and things. So, yeah. So, yeah, but, but, uh, but within our work, our international, our international work is, is, is in line with the Alta. Yeah. We are far behind focusing the Alta outcome document. I mean, if you see the Asia regional perspective and my observation, I think this is because of the situation is so diverse and multiple dimensions that you have. 
like political situation of indigenous mm. people so it's very difficult to say um exactly what how you frame the alta outcome document as a your working guidelines yeah for indigenous people's rights but definitely that's a global statement and asia region contributed there and it's a very there is the i will say this is the real real indigenous people's document and the globally mm-hmm. adopted mm-hmm. one so in the future probably it will be one of a guidance document for indigenous peoples activists in the rights movement or whatever is in the negotiation mm-hmm. process but uh, the one system wide action plan it's also i think how much it is following up by the indigenous organizations that the system wide action plan prepared by the parliament forum even desa i guess desa yeah so how does actually reflected or grounded to achieve it in the national level that i think that's also matter don't, don't you think well, about the swaps like don't you think that the swaps were like drafted like very quick like very fast yeah they were done quite fast yeah like yes. i didn't negotiate quite fast they also who negotiated them Well, there are indigenous people there. Are any yeah. there? Yeah, okay. involved, yeah. yeah, this is because uh, inter support group, of course, all these UN agencies, and those who are implementing uh, projects with the indigenous people organizations mm. in many countries in, in different regions. I think they are one of those, along with the UN Parliament, this Parliament from Secretariat and uh, the members, those really mm. contributed there. That's my understanding, yeah. by saying. and uh, the document it's a, it's a quite good document even though you i mean it's a, like summary one mm-hmm. it's a good a good uh, summary and focus area that they build consensus mm-hmm. among the un agencies now the question is in order to implement this how much money or resources they are actually putting mm-hmm. forward there right yeah. and also how much they are willing to share precise information exactly. about their work exactly. you know you we get the general general report but that doesn't specify mm-hmm. the the details that have been discussed mm-hmm. and and then again how the interagency support group can can inform about their work if they're not sharing the details of their work mm-hmm. is a voluntary fund because you're on the board of voluntary fund like is the voluntary fund um participating in the, in the internet agency support group or is that totally no. different no okay it's actually it's totally different it's uh, i think the un agencies and parliament forum amrep probably parliament forum is the one leading okay and yeah ohr is part of there and then i'm not sure whether amrep is there or i'm not sure whether special report there amrep is there but the un volunteer fund is not there that's the point see in the un mechanisms on the rights of indigenous mm-hmm. peoples un voluntary fund is the oldest mechanism yes yeah. okay and un voluntary fund is the only mechanism also because it's nature of the work contributed building all this international process for indigenous peoples the outcome of the un voluntary fund contributions it's huge look at the un drip achievement mm-hmm. 
UN Parliament Forum establishment, the lobby advocacy for the special rapporteur, and also the establishment of the AMRI and the World Conference. Mm -hmm. We are not there. Yeah. Voluntary fund contributed a lot. But in terms of this kind of things, I don't know. Uh, that's also being a board member, of course. Um, um, I can't say very details anything here. No, sure. Yeah. But my my question also be here. This is all. This is also one of the body who also deal with the indigenous people issues. And this body also deals with civil society and private partnership, all this, and their organizations in order to engage the indigenous peoples to build their capacity. Mm -hmm. Not only the resource-wise, they also their capacity to contribute to the community, like understanding law, policy, all this and that. Yeah. So now, this is, this is the point, like, I don't know why, why, um, UN Voluntary Fund are not invited to the Interagency Support Group. They are also part of the experts, but they can also contribute in the discussion. Mm -hmm. Expert or intellectual contribution, they can yeah. make it. But I don't, I don't see actually the, they have it, I mean, they are invited. Uh, at least this is my second term of the fund. I have not seen any invitation we received from the Interagency Support Group. Mm -hmm. Or even the coordination meeting that the UN mechanism of the indigenous peoples. Yeah. Very recently, the expert mechanisms, MB, they invite voluntary fund. I think this year, Parliament Forum invited during the session of the Parliament Forum. Mm -hmm. But my, my, again, opinion is why they are not in a formal structure? Hmm. Why voluntary fund is not included in the formal structure? in the coordination meeting of this UN mechanism on the rights of indigenous peoples. Because they might have abused also how can effectively engage the beneficiaries of the voluntary fund in the work of the special rapporteur, in the work of the expert mechanism, in, in the implementation of the recommendations of the permanent forum. Mm -hmm. How they can contribute. It could be a discussion. Yeah. They, can, they can share their views because we in our meeting, we also discuss all this area of intervention. So this is also, I am also a little, when I came first time as a board member in 2015, I was really surprised to see like, ah, voluntary fund is not part of this coordination meeting. Okay. And then second, and then second time is also, yeah, we discussed and then uh, I think I'm brief is the first who invited voluntary fund yeah. in their uh, in their meeting mm -hmm. and this year i think parliament forum in new york they invited uh, officially but not again when they have their this in their back to back in the intercessional mechanism that i don't i don't see any invitation that we had no. in the past so this this is the point like um, i still feel no matter what is there, but they are also coming from the indigenous background. They are also somehow expert. They have also knowledge. They have a lot of things to contribute in the discussion. So mm -hmm. they should they should also in, be invited. Okay. They can really contribute. Uh, I think all in terms of strategizing. 
the effective engagement of the beneficiaries at the local level because our beneficiary mostly coming from the local level. Yeah. So some of my views and also the, my observation, this is uh, nothing to do with the fund, but that's all my personal sure, yeah, views. Yeah. This is what I Understood. see. I feel, uh, I feel that in the future also, um, Parman Forum, MD, all should consider this to formalize the engagement of the UN voluntary fund in the coordination meeting, in the work of the UN system to mm -hmm. collectively. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. But, uh, but going back to the topic of our discussion, the, the anniversary of the declaration. Ooh. So many things now. How yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're jumping around a bit. But, uh, but I yeah. think that's good, actually. Yeah. It's a short thought. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's just... Uh, just uh, there was a question by the, in, 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 in the chat that what we are going to do next after this, uh, this interview or live session that we have, and it's, it, it is the anniversary of oh. the race on the 12th. Oh boy, okay. So, 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 um, Hold on, I got a question for you though. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, it's Tomo again, it's following up on Thomas's point about meetings since unit decoration and Indigenous peoples are gaining seats or need to be at so many international meetings and processes from intellectual property to oceans. How are the Indigenous peoples responding to these opportunities and challenges? That is the perfect question. And I think that is the question that should be, should be globally thought. I didn't, I, and, and I'm, I just want to be honest, I'm not, I'm not trying, to, trying to be a, arrogant or anything, mm -hmm. but, uh, but, but I think that indigenous peoples are not fully thinking this matter. And we have some strong institutions, organizations, North America, Asia, AIPP, one of, the, one of those that I know uh, a bit more, and, and, and you know, South Americans, and, and we have institutions in every, every region and so mm -hmm. on, and that is of course important. But uh, how do we collectively and strategically participate to the UN different level of meetings, representing the same goals and ideas, what we do in some parts of the UN? We, you know, we see that uh, at least, and this is something that we, we try to think also within the summit parliaments together, all of the three summit parliaments, parliaments, how do we coordinate? How do we work uh, together within all the different frames, frameworks of the UN uh, with, with, with one uh, common positions and so forth? And, and we work with that daily based. It's everyday work. It is not like that you can a you can, uh, couple of times in a year try to coordinate something. Because coordinating positions and, and processes, it's, you know, we have every, every month there is one process. So, so you need to put effort and work on that. And we're trying to do that, but then again, we, we also, also have, to, have to involve and, 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 and get better on it. But we are at least trying to, it's, it's a focus, it's on our agenda. But what I do, don't see, and I don't know how the other regions, for example, are trying to do it. How, are they coordinating their participation? I mean, I know that Asia has a good practice uh, on, on having the, the, the pre-sessions or, mm -hmm. or, or sessions uh, where they prepare 
as a region mm. to, to, for example, mm. chromophorum, MRIF and those. And I think that is one of the good examples to all of the other regions. I don't know any of the other regions that would be so organized compared to Asia that they have common uh, uh, meetings where they prepare their some. Can you explain a little bit what the preparatory process is of, of Asia? Um, well, in, in our Asia regional preparatory process actually started uh, in relation to the human rights mechanism. Okay. So over the years it has expanded the discussion on different issues. So again, when the regional level, there are indigenous experts, experts started engaging with different platforms, like for example, CBD, COP, and or uh, WIPO here. Uh, WIPO is not very much, but CBD, CBD uh, we had a good engagement and also had this regional level preparatory meeting separately mm -hmm. before. So that's where we discussed the issue basically try to see who is familiar, who, who is engaged the process to continue. Like this one, for example, CBD process, it was um, uh, from the beginning in this um, area, particularly the AJ, traditional knowledge issue, is, mm -hmm. was the Joji Karino from Tepteva at the time. Yeah. Since then, um, of course, Jenny Lasimban, they were involved. So, but at the same time, they had a good understanding to focus this area. And of course, we don't have very much expertise. We are very limited. The human mm -hmm. resources in the region who can contribute. So, we are still struggling in that case to cope with all these okay. issues, emerging issues at the global level. So, yeah. For so, like, you, you, but you, in the end, you, you guys are organizing your position, yeah. coordinating, no, that's, and, yeah, that's and, and, and putting up together yeah. different positions from, mm. from different people. So yeah. that yeah. is something that I, I, I really think that yeah. other regions should take into account and consider how they are coordinating mm. the work. Because uh, like, like and, one example is here, we are only three regions present, four missing. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's true. What we also try to do, like, uh, of course, when we organize this Asia Regional Preparatory Meeting, uh, we can bring everyone there in a mm -hmm. meeting. So what we do when we discuss in the meeting, we share with the network, the mm -hmm. list of the feedback points that they might have. For example, say the Parliament Forum, but uh, this is the preparatory meeting group workshop result mm -hmm. on that area. Mm -hmm. What are the elements need to be included mm -hmm. or okay. highlighted? Mm -hmm. So these kind of things, that's the practice uh, happening. And, and you meet in January? Is it that when you, when you no, do it? it? Uh, basically end of February or March, early March. So before the Parliament Forum. Forum. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So during the Parliament Forum, there's the time decides for the Parliament Forum and AMRIP. And this year, environment separated because very recently, AIPP had the Asia Regional Meeting on Environmental Issues, so they have actually different platform divided already. So Asia Region very recently developed um, this indigenous knowledge platform network. Yeah. So they, uh, they, they, are, they, they will work on that field particularly, the traditional knowledge, indigenous knowledge and that. So see the engagement level of now that we are trying to uh, be in the future um, in different international processes. Yeah. Climate change is already there, 
through the UNFCCC. It's uh, Asia regional participation engagement. It is there. Yeah. But for the and also the CBD was there, but now doing more formalized way like doing this indigenous knowledge platform network. Yeah. For example, or the one. Uh, AIPB contributing this uh, local communities platform in the Triple C. Mm-hmm. So that's how we are trying to see them engage the indigenous experts from the region, from different countries. Not necessarily they have to be member of AIPB. They okay. could be a network members. They could be a individual experts. But what AIPB, Asia Indigenous Peoples Pegasus, Asia Regional Organizations trying to bring is that those experts should be included or taking part in all those thematic areas so that the knowledge of the issues you know at least will be raised what asia think yeah so this is more the regional thinking not the individual or organization it's right. more the collective process and collective engagement collective um, contribution <laughs> i think from a pacific point of view we are the exact opposite of, of what, what you're what you're doing because right now it is, um, yeah, it's an email, email listserv, and it's about like who, who sends the most emails, mm-hmm. and and it's a bit of toxicity has like moved into that email group, at least from my perspective, my point of view, and to the extent that a lot of people that are engaging, mm-hmm. at the or that want to engage, don't engage anymore because they see see all that those those negative emails come going back and forth that makes, which makes coordinating um, amongst a region as the Pacific, like mm. difficult, if not impossible, at least through an email. Um, I think we had some, in recent history, we had some meetings that we gathered, um, I think for, in the run up to COP21, these people's gathered, you know, well, and in the run-up to the World Conference, we we had one one meeting held in one held in Sydney and one held in, and the COP21 was held in New Zealand. Um, other than that, like it's difficult. Like Asia is like one big landmass, so you can travel uh, relatively e- easy. Um, and Pacific is much more difficult, so you you need to rely on uh, on on email traffic on, or on ways of communicating online. Um, so in terms of the technology is there, what I think what is missing right now is actually um, yeah, the, a good infrastructure actually to be able to, to, to discuss things um, and, and be respectful of, of each other. You know? and right now it's, it's not happening anymore. And people actually like, for example, um, there's there's a like nomination election processes that that are um, that works at least uh, relatively works but is not good you know and I, it can be perfect of course but you need, you need to be make sure that it actually represents make makes representative people and the people that are doing the work that are actually capable of doing doing it um, so I would like to see that within the within our region at least. You know, to be able, like you said, that uh, when you go into negotiations, for example, at the Human Rights Council or in high level on oceans or whatever, that the Pacific actually is able to, like, all right, this is our position, this is what we need to do, and we can send or instruct 
uh, a person that is capable to do it, to, to, do, to do it. Um, because like flying from New Zealand or, and which is e relatively easy compared to Tuvalu or Vanuatu or Samoa, um, it's already hard, you know, like, like, like to, to Geneva for like a couple of days. Um, so at least you need to be able to like um, have that infrastructure in place and especially when the movement itself it's it's getting more sophisticated we're talking about enhanced participation right now you know so we're moving into more and more processes that affect us you know because we're, we're getting a hang of the system we're mastering the system so like from a specific point of view that we need to step up now we need to organize ourselves now because if we don't do it, we're too late. I think because the the movement is moving along and we we want to be part of that movement. Well, the other regions, of course, like the six other regions, are like well, where's the Pacific? You know, and then we can't say well, we don't have any money or we don't have this or X, Y, or Z. You know, like you need to be able to as a movement, as the seven regions, like you need to be able to move forward collectively. And mm -hmm. I think that our, our contribution to that should be to organize ourselves first and then and I like contribute to, to the movement as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But I mean, there's of course huge variations between the regions. I mean, my region, then again, is, is, is relevantly, let's say, easy compared to others because we are region of concerning two peoples, even though living in eight countries. Yeah. But the two peoples. So so our coordination and, 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 and position building is, is relevantly easy. Uh, and so words can be quite fast also. So so of course there's there's really really much different kind of uh, regions but but one thing that I really much would like to highlight what we need in, in, in as a global movement when we're talking about the anniversary of declaration, I mean, there have been a lot of years, let's say 40 years put on the work of, of, of getting the declaration and getting today's, today's position. What we need is solidarity, what we need is, it, it, it is good humor, what we need is acceptance to, between each other mm -hmm. to work collectively. What I see that, and, and what has been disturbing for me, is that that there seems to be more conflicts inside of the movement, and nobody is uh, even even uh, behind the scenes talking about it. And now I'm even talking in in a public setting. <laughs> but uh, but I think that is something what we really cannot have. Uh, we are really small movement. Mm. Yeah, I mean, many places where I have been negotiating, it's many places. It's only handful of people doing the negotiations mm -hmm. between the um, and, um, and, and trying to, uh, you know, do the benefit for the all the indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. We cannot have that. That those individuals that are willing, that are uh, having the capacity to participate, and 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 and, and are. You know, putting their own time, and we, we, we need to respect that and be respectful between each other. Mm. We need to get rid of the toxic, toxicity that that might be in the global movement, and we have to try mm. to engage and accept everybody as they are, and 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 
and gain the benefits, the positive benefits from it on having experts on, on different regions. We don't have the, the, the luxury of building those conflicts and toxicity even further. Mm -hmm. Our older generation did manage with that. We have to also manage with that and we do not and we cannot build the toxicity, toxicity and allow it to, mm. to, to, to dictate our work. Mm. Exactly, yeah. Any final thoughts? I think, I think, cause I think that's a very good roundup actually of, what, what, of everything. Yeah, my well, final thoughts, of course. Or additional the, thoughts, whatever you want. I can be the additional thoughts. It's the, our original platform that we think of like having a collective always it's very important a collective voice and currently through the asian indigenous people's pact they are trying to bring the voices together on the issues of for example on the environment sdg mm -hmm. and business and human rights so all these things now in uh, in the in a discussion on the table so to bring a collective voice mm -hmm. all the time but you need a lot of works behind on that for example research study analysis putting it together in an advocacy format or your format that easily understandable by other parties mm -hmm. so but this is still process trying to do of course everyone will not be happy or everyone is not happy with, with this engagement or this kind of work because also you have a different views, different stand, different uh, thought. But at least the maximum, the majority coming to this process mm. to be together yeah. instead of sidelining or staying away. Yeah. So there's uh, additional information what I am thinking. So this is now now it's growing being collective united mm. so that idea that thinking is growing so now more inclusive in the asia region what aipp is doing mm. so i think this is a good practice it should be continued and i think in the future will be strengthened and the other point is because today is the day of adoption of the un dream I actually the, like to acknowledge those elders, activists who entire process act, uh, of the UN drift strongly advocated, participated, negotiated and engaged mm. because of their effort, their energetic approach dynamic leadership we managed to achieve the UN dream. So mm -hmm. I I personally acknowledge their contribution and their I mean I, I do have this respect to mm -hmm. them. And because of them we are now here and we can talk about the UN drip in different levels say the UN drip is here. Yeah. So I I really uh, recall this uh, acknowledgement again. Yeah. To the um, to this day. Mm. Yeah. All I our agree. elders and all these. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would 
Yeah, I would fully agree with that and, and also contribute by saying that that the 12th uh, anniversary of, of the declaration is, is, is in a way of uh, celebrating those individuals that in, and the indigenous movement globally, what they have been able to achieve. And, and it is a kind of living, living kind of, uh, I'm not, we're not like talking relics, but we are like talking a living moment, momentum and, mm -hmm. and, and today, yesterday and tomorrow same time but 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 uh, to me the, the 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 anniversary of the declaration is really much a celebration of the global indigenous movement being able to mm. being able to work together towards our our uh, situations to be improved in different aspects of the world all right, all right final question um, let's say one year from now uh, 2020 uh, what are you looking forward to in terms of decoration? If it is one thing or... Well, I'm, I'm really much looking forward to Emory Obsession next year. Hopefully I'm able to come there. It's, it's a little bit unsure. Currently the month, <laughs> month of... Currently this month will be... Because you're in elections right now, yes, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's see what happens. Vote for Thomas. <laughs> but, uh, but, yes. but... Thank you for the support. But uh, <laughs> let's, say, let's say that the Emory next year session and I'm really much looking forward for the report uh, that going to be, was it in 2021, on self-determination. Yeah. I mean, that is something that I'm really much looking forward because I think that the MRIP as a mechanism is, is, is a tool for pushing for the declaration. Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the highlights of the year is the MRIP session. So if you have not been there, you should be there. If you have been there, come again. It's important. Coming back again, that's important, yes. So, w what about you? One year from now? Well... Anything to look forward to? Yeah, let's see how, the, how, how my engagement in the process goes on. It does, <laughs> like... <laughs> but I, yeah... Please, it will. secure Pinola future <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Thank you, and yeah, let's see. But I am very much looking forward um, to see also what Thomas said, the future study on the self-determination. Me too, the me too. And also at the same time, the enhanced participation that uh, we are talking about in the Human Rights Council and, and, the, and the General Assembly level. So I hope we at least we can come some positive results, so we can come up. And that's where I also want to take part in the future. And also, you know, right to participation in the decision making is one of the core provisions of the UN3. Mm -hmm. And we want to achieve it fully. Yeah. So let's work for that and for the self-determination. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed documenting the work. Um, so please subscribe to this podcast and share it. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn and let me know what you think. Have a great day.